Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Hey guys, it's Kayla. I'm so happy that you are able to join us today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that's okay. It really is okay. Today's episode is the second episode of a two-part series. So if you haven't yet, I suggest you listen to our first episode with Danny Tolley and Melissa Mons. And if you have listened to that, thank you so much. We are going to get straight to our second episode. Today, we have Michelle Bonilla on as our guest. Michelle C. Bonilla is not only a wildly talented actor, artist, individual. She is a dear friend of mine. She is a strike captain and a member of the National sag After. Latino committee. I wish I could list all of her accolades because she has had had a 29 year career filled with television and film credits. And she is here to share her wisdom with us on where we are at with the SAG after strike. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Michelle C. Bonilla. And I am here with Michelle C. Bonilla. I'm so grateful that you are here with me today. Not only have we been friends and colleagues for years and years and years, but you are wildly active and involved in SAG-AFTRA on boards and committees and constantly out there striking. I can't think of a better person to have today for this special episode. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Kayla. It's a (laughs) pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be here on this. Today, as of our recording, is day 60 Mm -hmm. of the strike for Mm SAG-AFTRA. So now that our elections are over and I was voted to, I am a member of the Los Angeles local board. Congratulations, by the way. Huge congratulations (laughs) are in order. I, of course, voted for you and will always be on your side, but I'm so happy that other people got it right and that you are here to, you know, stand up for us. And there is so much to fight for right now. Before we get into all the details, I think it's important. I just want everyone listening to understand something. I want them to truly understand the ramifications that the strike has already had day 60, right? And we, as we're recording, today's day 60, like Michelle said, and the WGA has been on strike for, do we know that exact amount of days? 133. 133. And today is day 60 for SAG-AFTRA. And we're coming off of a global pandemic where so many productions were put on hold. And we have so many actor and writer friends who are trying really hard to put food on their table. And these are Emmy Award winners. These are People's Choice Award winners. They're Academy Award winners. What we are fighting for will change this industry forever. And I was wondering if you could start by telling us by any stories that you've heard while you're out there on the picket line. Is there anything that's truly resonated with you either personally or professionally? Well, with what's going on, I think, you know, I'm also a strike captain. So I'm also so I hear this. 
you you hear it all the time. And what we like to do, uh, especially, is that we're there for our members' morale and we keep it up. But the truth is what our members are experiencing and also the members of the WGA is difficulties in paying their rent and putting food on the table. We like to keep uh, the morale up and people are smiling, but make no mistake, all those photos that you're seeing of people smiling and having a good time, it's it's two to three hours on the line here in Los Angeles, you know, that we pick it for. And what's touched me is watching our members come with their young children, mm-hmm. pushing them in strollers and seeing their children Uh, you know, out there, you know, (laughs) one picketer, she was a really small little girl holding a sign that said, it was actually a writer sign that I saw. It said, pay my daddy. You know, it really touched me because, you know, she was in tote and the mother was there and holding her infant. And, you know, the same, I have a an actor friend who's out there with his wife, who's also a member, and they have two young ones, and they pu- they pull them in little red wagons mm. around and around, mm-hmm. you know. And what else is there to do when what you do is no longer available to you? You come out on the line, and we're there. And, you know, being a strike captain, you see the people who sign in. And another thing that's touched me is seeing our young performers. You know, children really touched me, you know, in many ways. And, you know, having it affect them, like our children performers, like, you know, seven-year-olds in their scroggly little handwriting, writing their names in with their SAG-AFTRA number. It's really, it's really moving because, you know, especially with children, you know, they get paid into Coogan accounts and, you know, that's affected. And, and it's very, very real. You know, mm-hmm. what your listeners need to also understand is that just, you know, the, we are a labor movement. We are 160,000 members strong. And we we are laborers. We are workers among workers, just like the nurses unions who have struck with us and picketed with us, just like the carpenters who have built the studios have marched with us. You know, it is it is a very real profession. We're not it's not, you know, hey, those actors out there or those writers, you know. We will probably get into this, but these are these are workers. We are one of, you know, one of the biggest unions in the AFL-CIO who and and we earn money to go towards pension and health, just like any other worker across the mm-hmm. nation. Mm-hmm. You know, and unlike some work, we are a gig. Some people go from job to job to job to job to job to try to make ends meet. You know, mm-hmm. it's not everybody who has a series or is there every day on the set. We have to go out there and earn these things, you know, which is why our contracts are very involved and very in-depth in terms of our collective bargaining agreement, which is what we've gone to fight over with the AMPTP. It's uh, It sets the stage for our working conditions, what we earn, health and pension, et cetera, et cetera. So for those who are listening, who are like, okay, that sounds amazing, but I don't even know what the AMT, AMPTP is. If you are not in the industry, it's the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which is a trade group that was formed to represent the studios and broadcast networks and streaming services in their labor negotiations. So SAG-AFTRA is striking against the AMPTP 
TPT. Now, those negotiations have been happening for 60 days, right? But then didn't they stall? And now where are we in all of that? I don't know how long they've negotiated for. We are on day 60 of our strike, if uh-huh. that's what you mean. But they negotiated, sag after negotiated in good faith with the AMPTP. And where we're at is that, you know, I know our Duncan Crabtree Ireland, which is our head negotiator of the union, has said very publicly that they are ready to go into at any moment to negotiate with them and and you know, negotiate a fair deal. They have refused. You know, we see how long that they're going with the WGA and doing all sorts of shenanigans, you know, shenanigans with them, calling them in and, you know, pretending that that they've called them in and really don't do anything. And, you know, <laughs> and it's all so, a show. It's a horse and pony show. Yeah, yeah. And and, you know, so it's it's you know, what's also just come to my mind is that, you know, I've made very good friends with some of the WGA captains on the line mm-hmm. and, you know, they're experiencing fatigue and, you know, needing to take breaks. And you see the effect that it's having on them. And yet the AMPTP refuses to go in and to bargain fairly for, you know, I think that they're still at a crossroads. I think last week that the WGA was notified and given an update with the, from their negotiating committee on where things stand. And certainly as a member of SAG-AFTRA, I look at what's happening with the WGA as kind of like they're the they're the people who've led the way, you right. know. So we look at them. And the AMPTP, by the way, cannot negotiate at the same time with two labor unions. Oh, right? I didn't know that. Oh, they, right. they so can't. They can't. So, so the thing is that, so what they do with the WGA, if they stall and wait, you know, if they go, okay, nothing's happening, we're done. You know, if they go in on Wednesday and Thursday, they can't go Wednesday morning to the WGA and then Wednesday afternoon, you know, afternoon with SAG-AFTRA. You know, wow. they, they have to, it's got to be one at a time. So they're negotiating with WGA, but that doesn't mean that, okay, so they're at a certain point, the WGA has not accepted their terms or, or for whatever found that it was not right. I'm, I'm not a member of it. Well, I am actually a member of the WGA, <laughs> but I'm not in to all of their the all of what's going on over there as much as SAG. But I can say that, you know, at any moment, if the AMPTP said, okay, set them aside, let's now deal with SAG, that can happen. Mm. And they've refused, according to Duncan Crabtree Ireland, to go in there and negotiate for something fair. And what I think it's important for everyone to understand is what we're fighting for truly is fair. When Michelle says fair, we really just want fair wages and we're right. better pay, better working conditions. And we face a landscape where streaming and, and we're threatened by streaming and artificial intelligence, correct? And mm-hmm. then we also aren't getting as much with our residuals, which I, I, I think you can probably explain this more than I can or better explain this more than I can. But would you say there's probably... There's multiple threats, but are those the main three that we're really fighting for? Yeah, there is there is a a lot of that. And, you know, for the actors who, you know, the way we work, one of our working conditions is the way we audition. Right. Mm -hmm. And since the pandemic, actors had to audition to get jobs. That's how we get jobs. Mm -hmm. We audition. And the guidelines, we have no guidelines around them. So it was going crazy. And for your audience to understand what I mean by that, let me give you an example. Typically, we would get, here's what would happen normally. We would get an audition on Wednesday. We would be told by our agents, hey, you have an audition. Friday at four o'clock, you need to go to such and such studio 
and have your audition with the producers. That's what we used to do. We right. used to get our material and we used to study it and do what we needed to do and then go to the that studio or that location and audition for the casting director and producers and hopefully get that job. Right. We would would perform. We are performers. That's what we would do is just simply perform. That's right. So that's what we would do. When the pandemic came out and we couldn't do that, we had to do what's called self-tape, which was we had to put ourselves on tape. Now, what started happening in mass was that, you know, again, I'll go back. When we used to go into the studio, maybe we would get, let's say, eight pages of dialogue and we would go into the studio and the casting director would say, you know what? We're just doing the first scene, which was like three, three pages. We're just doing the first two scenes and you would have like four scenes. And then at that last moment, they'd go because the producers didn't want to be bothered. They didn't want to see 30 people doing nine pages. Well, guess what happened in self-tape? We had to do those nine pages. They wouldn't move. We would have to do that. So, again, if your audience would understand, 5.30, we would get a call. We would get nine pages, eight pages of dialogue. We would have to do all of them. And, again, you would probably ask your husband, your wife, your partner, your neighbor to please help read these sides with you. Casting directors would help read them with you. Mm -hmm. Normally casting would would read it opposite you, but now you need someone. You need to either hire someone to read opposite you. I know actors who are shooting on location who record the lines themselves on their phones and push play when it's time for the other person to read opposite them. I mean, it has changed the landscape completely. Sometimes you have to pay for a sitter to watch your kids and then you also have to pay for someone to read opposite you. And that is just to make a self-tape that you're not guaranteed to get the job. And so you are having to pay to audition, which was not the case. We And also, it is against our union, CBA, our collective bargaining agreement, to pay to have to audition. So these waters got really murky really fast. And as you, at, you expertly, you know, explained it, is that People have lives. They have to feed their, like literally make food for their children, bathe their children. What about the senior performers or those people who have special needs who can't find readers? What of those people? I I personally, in 2022, spent over $3,000 for auditions. No, and I think that number is actually quite low compared to other people who possibly, you know, my spouse and I are both actors, so you could double that easily, right? Or it's 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 bananas the amount of equipment that you need now to light something. So the, uh, basically, we could go on forever about this because I know a lot of actors are wildly frustrated about this aspect alone. But also, you get auditions on the weekends, which is against. I mean, we're not supposed to be working on the weekends; those are our days off, and also for those with children, how the heck are you supposed to make it on tape when you have a new baby who cries all the time? And I mean, it's just, it's, it's bizarre. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L. 
O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. And we're back. It is safe to say, and you guessed it, that, you know, whereas we would go into the studio or location where we were auditioning with the casting director, our audition would be over in maybe half an hour, an hour and max, going in and out with people going in and out. It takes me, and I'm fast, and I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and it takes me four to six hours sometimes to do those eight, nine pages. Because not only, and for your audience, do we have to do it, we have to edit it, mm-hmm. we have to put it in a pretty little package, and we have to upload it to some server. It is it is not done, you know? And, and so, needless to say, you're right, Kayla, we could talk about this for hours, but it was a working condition that needed guidelines against. And, you know, what the negotiating committee sought to do about this was limit the number of pages for a first call. They denied giving us an uh, an appropriate amount of pages the first call like they actually literally said no and just to let you know that within our low budget contracts you know for student films or low budget or ultra budget a five page minimum was achieved oh great we got but okay. that's for that mm-hmm. but not for like that that's for low budget films but not for this one for some reason the AMPTP doesn't think so and you know, to to hit back on what you were talking about, yes, we're fighting for better wages. And let me, I think this will hit home for some of your uh, listeners that, you know, actors can, for let's say a guest star actor on a, to do a one day guest star or, you know, to get a shot on television to do one day, we get $1,082. That's our current minimum, minimum. Okay. Now let's just say you actually earned and booked that 
audition, uh, audition that got you that job. And you have to sometimes audition 30 times, 40 times, depending. I mean, the typical actor trying to mm-hmm. get these gigs. What we wanted was an 11 percent increase to keep up with inflation. Now, 11 percent of $1,082 is $119.02. $119. OK, it cost me today $95 to fill my gas tank. That is what we're fighting for. This is not an unreasonable request. What they countered with was 5%. We'll give you 5%. That's $54.10. I can't go to Trader Joe's or your local store, grocery store, and get anything, you know, meaningful to put on my table for $54.10. Now, well, and for those listening that may think like, well, $1,000 for one day of work, that's a lot. But the truth is actors put a lot of work in behind the scenes until you book one job. I have friends who are wildly talented actors who may book two jobs a year, maybe three jobs a year. So that's why the pay is so significant. And we rely on our residuals a lot, which means the next time something you shoot airs, whether it's on an airplane, whether it's on television, whether it's on DVD sales, which probably don't exist anymore, but sometimes they do. So we rely a lot on residuals because that is also another form of income because we aren't paid as much. And I think people need to understand this because actors by nature, I think, you know, via social media and like all the movie stars, you think that actors in general make a ton of money. But a lot of the actors I know who are wildly talented and work all the time still have other side jobs and other things to do because we don't get paid like most people think we do. And because the work is so demanding, yet we don't aren't rewarded with pay. And so, you know, when Michelle and I are talking about fighting for an extra $119, that means a lot to someone. And when the AMPTP comes back to us and says, no, we'll give you 50. That's why everyone's so impassioned about this 5%. That's that's why we are, I believe, at a standstill. Can we call it a standstill? Yes. Right. Well, yes, because we struck, you know, what we presented, you know, as of July 13, 2023 to the AMPTP was, you know, in terms of our minimums, you know, an 11 percent general wage increase in year one. That's what we wanted. They said 5 percent. I mean, it's crazy. And you said two things. You said something about residuals, which is very important. And you said something about why actors have to have that side hustle. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of us have to have that side hustle. But the fact is that even if you got a guest star, even if people have seen me on television oh, over and over. Oh, you look so familiar. Mm-hmm. The truth is that, and sometimes, you know, they we get a top of show guest star. By the way, top of show doesn't exist in our collective bargaining agreement. It's something that the producers created in their heads to give us a minimum. There is no such thing. Oh, we have minimums. That. We have minimums, okay? So your listeners know that it takes $26,470 to earn health care insurance. Two percent of our union of 160,000 members are lucky enough to have that. Two percent. Two. Two. Wow. So you have 98,000 members who are below that, who are not making insurance. And again, you know, if you're in this country without insurance, you know why and why we ask for our our, our wage increases to, you know, go higher is to, to, you know, to mirror the, the, you know, and keep up with inflation mm-hmm. is that what we earn goes towards our health care. 
So that 1,082, okay, subtract that from 26,470. That's how much more I need to earn within a calendar year or within my year of earnings period to make that, to, to, to go towards that earnings that I need to make, you know? So if I can do a guest star, let's say I make $9,000, I have to do two more guest stars. And you just said it. You're good actors. If they work twice a year and they're wildly talented, well, they need to keep working. Mm -hmm. So that's why. And you said something else. This is where the residuals helped us. And you said something very, you talked about DVD sales and Blu-ray sales. Remember those discs? Well, what happened was if we did an episode of television, what you would see us maybe on a rerun. You know, if you shot something on ABC, you would see it again. They would do a rerun on ABC and we would get paid a minimum amount for that run, maybe even the same. Right. And so that would end up going towards our health care. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and our earnings. Well, what they do now is that ABC show that it first aired and now they stream it on Hulu. So you're never going to see a rerun on Ever television. Again. And our streaming residual model is based on subscribers, of which they don't want to tell us. And it's so low, just so your audience knows that I can get a residual for $2 for a streaming second run. Well, I don't know what you can buy for $2 right now, knowing that a cup of coffee at your Starbucks or Pete's or wherever you get your coffee is now five, four, five dollars So here you are, you have these actors, you know, sort of struggling to make a living. So back in the day, we also used to have DVD sales and we used to get a percentage, a share of the DVD sale, of the Blu-ray sale. When you went to that good old Blockbuster, remember that? Blockbuster video or wherever you got your video, we were given a percentage of what they could count that. Well, The AMPTP will not let us know what their subscriber count is. They keep that under wraps, so we don't know what it is. And we went in asking for new media revenue sharing. They said no. What does that mean, new media revenue sharing? That means that, you know, that the cast's share in revenue generated when their performances are exhibited on streaming platforms. So this would allow the cast to share in the success of that high, you know, that high-performing show, right? Mm -hmm. Where... You know, whereas they we used to get that, you know, when they would rerun it on the network, we would we would, you know, get paid basically almost again. But it sort of mirrored this idea of what happened with the DVD and what happened with VHS tapes is that we got a percentage and we asked the same thing in streaming. They said no. They wouldn't even talk about it. I just was wondering if they've said no to everything because I'm not as familiar. No, they don't say no to everything. But for example, you know, I mean, there was something that I actually spoke in front of the AMPTP. I was brought in as what Fran Drescher, our president, would say is a expert in the field or in the area of what our CBA covers as as in translation, meaning for our multilingual performers, when we got auditions, we were sent the sides, we were sent the material that we auditioned with all in English, but those five, six pages, they would want it in the language they wanted the performer to speak it in. So Japanese or Spanish, they wanted us to translate it for free. So not only are we doing that ridiculous amount of work to audition, now we have to spend hours 
translating it because they don't they failed to realize that let's take you know the language i speak which is spanish mm-hmm. that cuban spanish is different than argentinian spanish this is different than puerto rican spanish which is different you know all of these have different nuances and intonations are different and phrasing is different what does the writer mean so they leave that to you they leave that to yes, you to girl yes oh my god and so you're calling your aunt and you're calling <sighs> your uncles and you're calling your mama and you're saying, how do you say this? What do you No, no, no. You're trying to explain it. It got so ridiculous. And so I was so honored that Fran and the rest of the negotiating committee brought me in and I spoke to the AMPTP. And that is what and they asked me many questions. And that is what they tend that I know for sure is what they tentatively agreed to that it will change. Wow. Uh, as Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so uh, on much. behalf of uh, all performers, <laughs> truly, because I know a lot of people listening are performers and I'm thank you for doing that because yeah. that's incredible. everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. And we're back. Do you think we need a third-party mediator? to come in and help with these negotiations. Because at this point, when we're 60 days in and there's no end in sight and people have been without work because of the pandemic and now because of this, it's I don't understand how we can't, just for humankind's sake, find some agreement here. Well, that's what they tried to pull the first time. They tried to, you know, they asked for more time. I think they asked for two weeks more time or are they talking to themselves and talking within themselves and they really didn't do anything and they kind of like pulled our leg a little bit and which was really disingenuous of them but that's what they did prior for us to go on strike and they called in they tried to call in a mediator but but that would set us up to make it look what they and this is my point of view I can just say is my point of view only that it made us they were trying to set us up to look that if things went south and they brought in a mediator then it would be our union's fault that we went on strike and we put the kibosh on that very quickly because we were willing very willing to go in and to really negotiate something and they really didn't want to what they were doing was uh, it was another ploy it was another way for them to bide away time and to make us look like the bad guy. That's what I think personally. And yeah, because there's a real fear here that while these strikes are happening, people are getting used to not having new content or new their TV shows or their movies. And they're, you know, turning to concert venues or other forms of media as 
entertainment. And I don't know how any other fellow actors feel, feel, but I have a personal fear that they, there may not be as high of a need anymore for new film and new television if we continue on this track. I think right now there still is, but my fear is if we continue, I don't know where we'll be at that point. And I think it's important to make sure that we keep this artistry alive. You know, I can tell you right now that that's not going to happen. And you know why it's not going to happen? Because it affects the producers. It, 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 affects our, it affects their money. And because it affects their money, that'll never happen. This is why, this is why it is important because the way, you know, we aren't budging and it's already start to, starting to reflect. See, these studios are now multi-billion dollar companies that are owned, you know, they're conglomerates and they're owned by, you know, institutions. And, you know, that is why it's so important that we, you know, they are underestimating our strengths and our resolve, especially you could see it with the WGA how incredibly strong they are in their resolve. We may have more members, but their, their resolve is just in, incredible. And they failed to realize that. It's interesting that even there are some networks who are gearing up to rerun seasons. I'm actually on a show that I cannot talk about that they're rerunning the season because they have no... Because why? Because guess who else wants to make money? So that'll never happen. That'll never happen because there's always CEOs of companies. There's always CEOs of a Disney, of a this or a that, you know. That's how they make their money, you know, and what they're trying. And, and, and who is also a part of that? Shareholders, stockholders. And come the end of the year, come the end of the fiscal quarter, when they start, and it's already happening, where you've seen some of the studios use, uh, losing over $500 billion in revenue, shareholders and stockholders don't care. When they see that they're, the money that they've invested into corporations are losing, they're going to turn to the, that board. And they're, that's why there's already, if, in the trades I've been reading, that certain studios are are going to in individually negotiate with the unions that's 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 the rumors right so now they're getting the idea because these these people these people that we are you know our employers they have to turn around and and you know be put to task by their shareholders by their stockholders and like I said, stockholders are more apt to say, you better pay those people because when they turn around and the CEOs of those companies start earning five, in the billions of dollars in bonuses and they can't even afford and those bonuses are 20, 40 times more than what we're asking for in increases. That's when it starts to not make sense. So now we're talking greed. And so I think a reckoning will happen. Oh, man. I love hearing that. I am so grateful yeah. that you and I can feel that, you know, you're the one on the front lines every day. You are really in it. And it's so nice to right. hear that. And yeah. I'm so grateful. Can I ask to you personally, what is the most important thing about this strike? I think the most important thing about this strike, I mean, is that we be taken seriously, mm. not only as artists, but as collaborators in a collaborative art. 
that you need us to make your content. And that's where this idea of AI comes in, you know, with that, you know, that they want their ability. They want to own our likeness, our voice in perpetuity, pay us once and then never again and Mm -hmm. not tell us when they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. This is a precipice that the country is looking at because it's not only jobs for actors. It's your job as a clerical worker. It's your job as, you know, a a checkout clerk. It's your job as, you know, an inventory analysis. You know, it's, it's everybody's job that they're saying that can be replaced with artificial intelligence. This type of art that we do I mean, we can go back and forth on this and they have their counters, of course. But this idea of owning our likeness, our image, our voice, not paying us for, you know, for in perpetuity and not and not and like paying us a half day's rate for it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they can train their AI systems to recreate something is that's what I think people will get sick of. I don't think people will want to see that, you know, it, that stuff. But we need to we need to stop that now. You know, we need to stop that now. Absolutely not. That's what I think is so brave about everyone striking right now is because we're not just striking Mm -hmm. for now. We're striking for the future and for all future performers. You know, we're giving up a lot now so that they don't have to do so. We're striking so we don't have to strike again. And that is why we're doing this. I want to thank you for all your hard work and being a strike captain Mm -hmm. is not easy. And that is not something that a lot of people have in them to uh, a lot of people would not be able to sustain that for the amount of time that you have and your work. I, I truly mean this. And then, you know, I just feel like it's wildly overwhelming and emotional and there's so much tied to it and to give so much every day is a lot. And so thank you for giving and thank you for explaining and being here because it's wildly difficult and it's wildly difficult to be an artist in today's climate. And I'm really grateful for you and what you've done and are doing. And, And there is a bright side. There is a bright side. The bright side that's happening is that we have interim agreements. And that is that, you know, the contract that we put in front of the AMPTP as of, you know, July 13th, 2023, independent producers are saying, yes, we will pay you that 11 percent. We won't make do those things with AI. We'll conform to every single thing that you wanted the AMPTP do. It's happening now. You're seeing big name stars, you know, people at TIFF. Now people are able to self-promote. That's one of the things that we can't do is self-promotion and promoting. Well, we can't promote struck companies, but people who've signed interim agreements, they can. Mm -hmm. So that's why you're seeing people at the Venice Film Festival and at TIFF stand collectively behind us and say, you are worth it. We believe in artists. That's so interesting that we don't have nearly the money that some people like the uh, that the AMPTP have, but we'll do it. Right. So if they can meet those standards, guess what? So can the AMPTP. That's right. That's right. So it's happening and it's, you know, we have beautiful people like Jessica Chastain, who's able to go and sit at a podium and, you know, with, you know, flanked by her independent producers and saying, this is what these independent producers are doing. They've signed an interim agreement. This is what we need. And and it affects the pocket of the AMPTP, which is exactly what we do. So, uh, you know, I am so grateful for the members of the WGA who've led the way for these 133 days and our fellow members of SAG-AFTRA for 60 that, you know, it's tough. 
But we also have if I know your listeners are all across the, you know, all across the the nation here and the globe. Yeah, we get. Yes. And Mm -hmm. the globe. Okay, Mm -hmm. And the globe. And if you know, if they're out there, they can absolutely go to SAGAFTRAFoundation.org and they can give there. They can also go to the Entertainment Community Fund. These are funds that are there so to help everyone in the industry, makeup artists, affect everyone in again, it's a collaborative art. Everyone from makeup artists, you know, craftsmen, all anyone who is affected by these strikes. We've had huge stars give millions of dollars mm-hmm. to the entertain to the SAG After Foundation there to help our community and people who are struggling during these times because people are struggling. Mm-hmm. And you know, we take care of ourselves, but we also I'm so grateful to the people out there in the world who and every bit helps, you know, your five dollars, your three dollars, you know, going to the entertainment community fund and the SAGAFTRAFoundation.org fund. These are great places to give. And if you're in the Los Angeles area or anywhere around people with picket signs, uh, honking is great. We get wonderful people who are donating um, beverages or food or you know, anything that we need on the line. I mean, it's just so much love from people and artists. I had one woman come up, an older woman. She pulled into our uh, little parking area there and she wanted to give us her pension check. <gasps> and we had to say, no, no, ma'am. No, you don't need to give us your pension check. Thank you wow. so much. She didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. She pulled over and wanted to give us her pension check. And we said, wow. we can't do that. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much. And, you know, but that's how much people can really relate to the struggle of labor workers and yeah. labor unions. Also, if you feel like you, you're listening and you want to help and you can't give financially, if you see someone picketing and you have time, pull over. You do not have to be part of the union to picket. We welcome anyone at any time. So please join us, grab a sign, and we will take an extra body on those lines because we're all in this together and we appreciate any and all gifts, right? That's right. Solidarity. And it's it's a beautiful thing. There's something about... It's a beautiful thing, the solidarity, the people supporting each other. Sometimes that's what all that people need for those few hours, camaraderie, conversation, remembering what it's about, uh, lightness, but also the reality of it. Uh, there's something beautiful that we one can only get from community, right? Which is what you do here, which is what, you know, what your podcast is all about and, and talking about that. And I'm just so uh, grateful to have been asked to do this. Oh, Michelle Sibonia, you are fantastic. Thank you. You are so informative. Where can people follow you if they want to see, you know, join your your picketing or how, how they can volunteer and help and just be more interested in what you're up to? Well, they can always go to my Instagram page is themichellecibonia.com on Instagram, Twitter or X or whatever it's called. <laughs> You know, I'm the MC Bonilla. Also, my website, michellecbonilla.com. They can you can find me there on all those socials. But, you know, I the, the, the some work that I do have, you know, I am a national announcer for 211.org, which is the United Way launched a, a hub for community members and community organizations looking for all types of health and human and social services in cities across the country. So I'm really honored to be the national announcer for the television and radio campaign. So doing that, I do a lot of, you know, so 
happy about that and starting season two of a, a podcast called Birds of Empire, reprising my role as Queen of the Wolves. Ooh, how fun. Yeah. So doing just doing the do and trying to, you know, we, as I said, SAG has got many contracts in it and I'm able to talk about these because those are not struck yet. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I know everyone has seen you in a million other favorite shows. We just cannot talk about it right now. But we will have it. you back on another time when we can actually talk about all that fun stuff because yes. boy, are we going to want to do that. Oh, and I love you so much, Kayla. You are so great. Thanks, Michelle. It's funny because I know that I'm supposed to do a C block about this SAG after strike. And how do you end something that means so much to you? I, I don't know. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to this full episode and for the two-part episode and for being with us throughout this crazy strike. It's been a lot for myself and for people I know and love. And I really hope there's an end in sight. Some days it feels like there is and other days it really feels like there isn't. But I know we're all in this together. And I'm really grateful for the acting community, for the writing community, the producers, all of us for just getting together and backing each other through these really tough times. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. We have another great one coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions, hosted by me, Kayla Yule, produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions, editing by Diane Kang, post-production sound by Coco Lawrence, and production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. 